Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Happy New Year. We are Happy back. Happy New Year. We're back. <laughs> what was that? Ed? That it was, was my Happy New Year horn. Oh, that was a horn. <laughs> I never heard a horn sound like that. I don't nope. want to hear it again. Nope. <laughs> Keep it off. So you all right, Nathan? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Good, good New Year. Yes, we are back. We had some de- some time off. Uh, we did. So, so uh, what did you guys do over the Christmas, New Year holidays? I did normal stuff on the holidays. I did not take time off. I always work through this time because nobody else works, and I can do things that I can't do when nobody else is here. <laughs> so... Yeah, I work always the last week. It's a good reflecting, thinking time for me. Mm. Yep. I had time off, so we were just at home. Yeah. Just hanging out at home. We know what you did. Why don't you tell everybody else what you did? I got COVID. <laughs> Jason uh, yes. got COVID. Jason got COVID. I did. Yeah, right. Like a, a day or so around Christmas. It was right around Christmas time. I started feeling weird. And it's no joke, y'all. Yeah. I'm just going to go on record. That those of you that think that COVID's a joke, it ain't no joke. Jason's here to tell you it's for it real. No, it's for real. It's for, it's real. for real. I'm, I'm, in fact, <laughs> I, was, I was contacting some medical uh, friends of mine saying, y'all got an inside track on that vaccine? Because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that again. That right. was no good. That was no fun. Well, now I hear from people <clears throat> that you're cured forever. You will never, ever get it again, Jason. <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to take no chances. <laughs> I will take whatever they give me that tells me I won't get this again. I also am ready to line up. And I'm older than you guys, so I should be, be, you're in I front should of be in front. I'm sure you're in front of us. But not much from what I gather from the things I've so. looked at online. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird because uh, some, uh, some, it went around my house. There were, and then we all had it from the, the, we all had the spectrum. It was like, I had it the worst and my wife never felt a thing. And I don't even know if she had it. We never got her tested. But your daughter was, though got it first. Daughter got it, brought it home, gave it to me, and I got it the worst. And um, best Christmas gift. It was best ever. Christmas present ever. So yeah. she she went and brought something home to the family. That's right. And that's why I'm ready to get her out of the family. <laughs> out of the family. No. But I was telling Joel before we recorded, um, if if they had created a, a a sickness that they could torture people with, this seems like one of them. Oh, because wow. the way it, and again, I know it hits people different, but the way it hit me was I get one symptom really, really bad for like a day or two. And then that one would go away. And what I think was the first thing? The to very hit? first symptom was the headache, pounding headache right here in the front of my head. And that was like two days and it started going away. And I thought, oh, that's as bad as it's going to get. And then like on day one and a half, I started getting the cold chills and the achy feeling. And that lasted for a couple of days, but then the headaches went away. And then it was like, they, it's, it's like somebody turning dials of symptoms uh, and then they turn it off and then they give me another one. So then after the chills went away, I thought, well, maybe that's going to be it. Then the chest and the head cold symptoms started hitting and, and I coughed a lot. And then, then that started going away, but then the shortness of breath came and then the and one and night I, I, had I really heard bad. that really got bad for you. That got real bad the one night. And that was the other thing is it was one night that was really, really bad where I was having a hard time breathing, chest pains. I got checked out for it. Um, it turns out it was nothing. And then the next day I felt fine. And then the fatigue hit. And that one hasn't let go yet. I still feel really, really tired. And I've heard other people that I know that have had it say that once the fatigue, sometimes it's a little hard to concentrate. Focus is sometimes hard to come yeah. by. That's why I'm going to let y'all answer the questions today. Because <laughs> I'm foggy. So, there you go. But I'm, I'm out of my quarantine. 
And and so I'm, I'm we're glad. Even though I have some lingering symptoms, I am past the point of they tell me of being uh, contagious. So oh, well, there we go. So yeah, we're staying far away anyway. Oh, well, yeah. I want you. I'm to. not going to do what I normally do. Jason and I normally hug. That's uh-huh. the way we start off. We do. We do. I don't know if y'all have ever seen the. Uh, I think it's in the. Uh, movie the program if y'all ever see it's about football no. it's about a college football program and mm-hmm. they do all kinds of there's a two guys the way they get ready for every football game in they pound on each they beat on each other and they spit each other in each other's mouth oh that's nice <laughs> <laughs> i'm not doing that I'm not doing that jason now. and i used to do that but we've decided <laughs> Ooh, not gonna do that no no i don't do that even pre-covid I think but. that's the program, but it might I th- it might be varsity blues. It's one of those football. I think it's the, the program. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good information to have. <laughs> or not. So here's what I want to do. I want, and, and I'll just, before we get into this, we got lots and lots of questions. Woo. We have stored up lots and lots of questions from even before the holiday break. So we've got enough questions, I think, to get us through maybe three or four of April. these podcasts. So that'll be great. <laughs> so if you send us a question and you're like, why aren't they answering my question? We're getting to it. We got a lot. Um, so these will be way back from December. But if you answer a really good one and it's timely, we'll move you to the oh, front Oh, yeah, of the line. we will put you at the front of the line. So, you know, in the description, click it and send Say, us a timely this is question. The number one. And time you might get to the front of the line. The question. But these are from way back. So uh, we've held on to these. So <laughs> we're going to have really good answers to these <laughs> or not. So, uh, first question uh, someone sent us in was they said they would like us to talk about prayer. Specifically, what is prayer? Why should I do it? And what is the purpose of it? So that covers the whole thing. So let's talk about prayer for a moment. What is it? Why should I do it? What's the purpose? Nathan, you want to go? Sure. Uh, prayer is just uh, having a conversation with God is the is the kind of may, maybe most simplistic way to talk about it. It is, uh, it, it is just, ta- I think Dallas Willard says, it's talking with your Heavenly Father about what you two are doing together. Uh, and so uh, it can happen anytime, anywhere, um, and it can be about anything. Um, but I have found most effective in my life is uh, with everything is following Jesus advice and Jesus advice for praying is to have a time you set aside where you go by yourself or you go to a go to a room, you know, closet. He talks, yeah, closet, <laughs> you know, go to a space, which none of those things I think are meant to be no. literal or particular. The and idea is closet wasn't what we think of as a closet. Right. So. That's right. Yeah. And I don't even know particularly his advice is totally about uh, being private because we do know at least the early church often prayed together. So right. That's right. Uh, the idea, I the way I have always read what Jesus meant was to have a time you set aside, mm-hmm. that there is a time that is important to you, that you pray, that you have a conversation with God, uh, appointment keeping. And so a lot of uh, Christians, I, I do this, I know several other believers who do, uh, and you have certain set times of prayer that you you pray, and certain Christians do it, what they're called, on the hour, uh, you know, and so they're usually it's three, six, nine, twelve. Um, but other, you know, those aren't those aren't my times, um, but those are kind of the general times that churches around the the, the world use. So yeah. I think having a time to set aside, um, because most people I know, once you say you can do it anytime, anywhere, any place means you'll never do it mm, yeah. uh, because right. you you've now just said, well, I don't have to set a time, and so. You don't, or you lift up little little moments occasionally 
when someone asks you to pray for them, you might do it in that moment, or you know, when you're really stressed out, you might bring it up. Uh, well, and I don't want to mm-hmm. say that uh, something about that sort of trivializes it. That's not the right word, but I don't have a better one in my grasp. What I mean by it is it winds up turning into me only talking to God about things I want God to do. Yes. Right. And it's not me just talking to God. It's not me having a conversation. It's not me talking with God about what I'm doing and what I need his help to do, which the truth is, if I really believe what Jesus says, that apart from me, you can do nothing, Hmm. that means apart from him, I can't really do my job the way that he would do it if it were me. I can't interact with you the way I can't answer this question the way that I, if without him, Mm -hmm. so that everything I do, I should be conversing with God about. Mm -hmm. I should develop... In these moments, what I don't know a better way to say it other than a, really a two-way conversation that I develop the skill to talk out loud maybe to the person, but I'm trying to listen to what God would have me say at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you touched on something that I think trips a lot of us up, and I, I even sense it in part of the question that was asked is, what's the purpose of it? And I think many times we, we get it in our heads that the purpose of prayer is to accomplish whatever it is that I am praying about or right. whatever the, the request that I'm making to God. And and if I don't get the request, then I've done it wrong. And so right. I got to figure something else out. And it's, it's this, for lack of a better term, it's, it's the slot machine version of prayer. It's like, I got to right. pull the right lever and put in the right amount of money and do it the right way so that I can get God to do the things that I want him to do. And I, I know for sure, whenever we veer over into that territory, we, we're missing it. Yeah. Well, and, and everybody knows this with your kids. Nobody would enjoy having a conversation with your kids. And all of us have had situations with a kid where you can tell when they enter the conversation that they are trying to figure out how they can say whatever they need to say in a way to say it to get you to do what they want you to do. Right. No parent, if that was every conversation you have, would ever enjoy that. And eventually you would go, hey, come on, let's, let's, I, I don't even want to do these things anymore. And eventually that kind of relationship breaks down. It does, from both ends. On both ends. Both ends. So I also agree with you that most often the questions I'm asked around prayer are, I just don't get prayer. And when I plunge beyond that a little bit, what do you mean you don't get about it? It's not that they don't get it's talking to God. Yeah. It's not that they don't get that I can do it and they're no, they want to know how is it, how can I be effective? And what they mean by effective is there are things I think I need that I can't do. How can I get God to do that? Yeah. Right. And so I would encourage anybody whoever asked this or anyone who's listening and uh, who thinks they're not very good at prayer. Um, I would, I would actually in this, this for many people might, I don't know just not sound right, but you may, you, you're probably not very good at prayer. I wasn't very good at prayer. I think sometimes when we make Well, we it, know the disciples weren't very good yes, at prayer because yeah. they asked Jesus teach to us. teach them how to do it. Yes, yeah. and so I know we, once again, when we make it very simplistic, we kind of just say anything you say, and that's true. God wants to hear from you at any point. I'm not saying any of that, but when you said prayer, prayer is a skill that I learn, um, and Jesus teaches us how to pray. Um, and so what I would encourage you is there are, there are really good uh, books of prayer. I mean, there are like books of common prayer, which is uh, usually either like the Anglican book of common prayer. I have a book of prayer, the common prayer that I use that is um, 
the word is ecumenical, but it just means it's it's not one denomination. It kind of crosses all different traditions of Christianity. Um, but then there are other ones that are just written. I know Richard Foster has a really good book on prayer that has some written prayers. And I one, one thing I think in the West, I'll say in America in particular, but I know in Europe as well, we have really... And I don't know how to say this the right way, over-emotionalized and over-personalized prayer in that I should have some very personal experience with God. There's something I'm supposed to feel. There's something I'm supposed to be like. It should be what I pray should come from within me, that it's these cries that come out from my heart. One, we know that in the Bible it says the Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know what to pray for. So the Holy Spirit's doing a lot of praying for us. And then also... Uh, there are these prayers like the one Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer, mm. which gives us sometimes a model. Like I've used it before, and I, we've taught it here. Like there's a model, a way to say it. But most days, if you ask me, I pray it every day. I just say it. I try to slowly go over the words or something. Um, but just to say, I don't know what to pray for right now, but here are some ideas. The Psalms are great prayer books that you go yeah. through the Psalms and just say, I do one a day, and I'll just take, okay, this one. And it may not be what I'm feeling, and I can't personally relate, but I go, these are always good things for me to try and relate to God with. They're ways for me to be formed in the image of God. And so that's what I would encourage you. If you're if you're really interested in going, you know, it's the new year, and you may have spiritual New Year's resolutions. Maybe I want to pray every day, but you find yourself getting in there and going, just saying the same things, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. If you looked at my prayer journal, the last half of my prayer journal every day is almost word for word the same because they're the things that matter to me. Well, and I would say in a society like ours where most of our needs are met, I was thinking Mm -hmm. today, and part of what I read was, you know, there's part of the give us a day, our daily bread. Um, I don't know that I've had a day where I've ever had to pray, God, I don't know what I'm going to eat today. That's right. In my whole life, I've never had that. I have been in cultures where that's true. Uh, so because most of us have most of our needs met and many of our wants met, Mm -hmm. we only wind up coming to God for things we don't think we can handle. And so it does get repetitive to to us because mainly for a lot of us, the things we can't handle is, uh, you know, take care of all the people I care about that I can't be around. And I don't, I don't have anything to do. I can do with their health. So protect their health. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're praying and it feels trivial to us. It's not, if they got sick, it wouldn't, I'm not meaning that, but we would like it to be more than that. Well, if it's going to be more than that, you're probably going to have to take the words of somebody who was in situations where they, like this morning I prayed, um, oh, the, oh, the, the guy from Ireland, uh, St. Patrick, Saint, there's a St. Patrick prayer, mm-hmm. the Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ mm-hmm. within me. That was the prayer I use today. Those are awesome words. Mm-hmm. I wish I had wanted to say those words out of the depths of my heart at some <laughs> point, and yeah. I'd written that, and hundreds of years later, people would say, I'm praying the prayer of Ed. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. But I do mean them mm-hmm. when I say them. Yeah. I do, and his thoughts guide me to want that. And mm-hmm. the more that I have it, it does become a part of me. It's a part of like what we're doing in worship these days if we're beginning with some thoughts. Are they my thoughts to begin worship? Maybe not, but they they set a foundation that I want to be true in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it was. Maybe y'all can remind me because I'm foggy right now. <laughs> uh, 
but there was somebody who wrote or said, um, you should pray for prayer. Mm-hmm. Pray I don't for know the, that either, but that's a great you saying. You should pray for the grace to learn how to pray mm, and, yeah. and pray until you're able to learn how to pray. Mm. Yeah. And um, I know that sounds a little weird, but that's kind of what it you're is, talking about. It is on it. Well, and that's the point of these kind of written prayers. That, and, I, and I do think we've, we have missed the ability because of how individualistic our society is. We have just missed the ability for discipline in general of just saying, I do this thing because I do this thing. I'm the kind of person that does this thing, not, well, when I feel like it, I'll do it. And when I, because we have that, but we do it in certain, well, I will say this, maybe we don't all do this because I know a lot of people and maybe this is a good marriage tip for you. If you just make yourself every time you leave the house or every time you're going to bed or every time you're, you're leaving your spouse, you just make sure I say, I love you. Mm -hmm. I just, I love you. You don't mean it from the depths of your soul. In fact, every there, time, that's right. There are times when I just say it out of habit, and I've said it before in the middle of a fight when I've had because we've been in a fight, and I go, "Look, it's I got to get back to work. I love you," and then I'm leaving, and mm-hmm. I certainly didn't feel it when I was leaving. But it's a part of the formational part of who I am as a husband to remind myself who I am as a person who loves my wife, even if I don't feel it. And there's a part of praying the Lord's Prayer or Psalm 23 or like St. Patrick's Prayer. St. Francis has a prayer. There's a bunch of these prayers that you make yourself say them even when you don't feel them. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me, this is the, it's almost like the bullseye that I'm aiming for. I right, want yeah. to be a person that these words are true of, yes. mm-hmm. that this is where it is. Prayer ultimately shapes my imagination of what should be and what could be. And, and in the middle of that, like today with, uh, with uh, St. Patrick's Prayer, I, those words led me to words that were true for me, mm-hmm. that I wasn't thinking before I started reading his words. Mm-hmm. Sure. And you'll notice in the scripture, Jesus gives, there are two examples of the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer, and people go, you know, Jesus didn't even quote his own prayer right. Well, that's because he wasn't trying to give a word right, for word. Right. He, I think, again, he taught that many times. And it was the ideas of the things you should want to be true in your life to pray about. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. All right. <clears throat> Next question. And this one is uh, stems off of a discussion that we had uh, probably a month or two ago now uh, where we talked about the Bible. And uh, the person that asked this question was obviously listening to that discussion. And they said, you know, you guys talked about the Bible being a story uh, that leads us to Jesus. And... In that discussion, we had made the statement that, you know, not everything in the Bible, all the words are created equal, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that they are, each section has its own purpose and different style and all of that stuff. And so out of that statement, their question was, so then how do I read these different sections of the Bible? (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Is the Bible just a way to find truth for me to get better at life? Or is the Bible supposed to help me be a better me? Or is it something else? Well, I, I go back to the statement we used then. I'll answer the last part of, is it something else? It is something else it than is. making you a better you and truth for life. Those things are true. Mm-hmm. Those things are true as a result. But the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. It's about God's story that ultimately he's telling in the world, and it culminates in Jesus and his kingdom and the people that are produced out of that, the people that lead to Jesus, the people that come out of Jesus, and the story that God's writing in the world. So that's what you should always be noticing. It is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Jesus is the culmination 
of the complete Word of God. Um, and there are some things in there that are exceptionally helpful in making your life better. There, and there are some things in there that are confusing as heck. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> that Because it wasn't written to, to it you. It wasn't written to you. Exactly. And if you go into it and you start trying to pull everything about you and everything about the 21st century and look at your current day and what does this have to say to today? Well, it may have nothing to say to today other than that Jesus is the Son of God. This story points to him, and he is still at work in my life. That's true, but that one particular verse may not have anything to do with today. Well, and I think it's the hard part of, of when, when people look at it as, I'm supposed to pull truths out of this. Uh, I think you're supposed to pull truth out of it, not truths out of it. And I think those are two different... Explain what you mean by the difference there. So the Bible is the true story of what God is doing in the world. Truths has, has this ability that, uh, to, to look at things and say, it's a collection of these little truths that are really all segmented off from one another. And mm-hmm. so when I need to know what to do with marriage, I open this up and I go find a verse. Cause I mean, I'm telling you, in fact, when I used to teach uh, teenagers a lot and I first was getting in into like teaching and preaching and that whole thing, I would just Google Bible verses uh-huh. on marriage. And then I'd pull one out and I go, that's a great one. Then I'd read it in context and say, that has nothing to do with marriage. Yeah. I don't know why that person said that had something to do with marriage, but, so, but you go to things that way um and so you say i need something about parenting and it and it says you know certain things here and then certain things you're like what does that have to do with those now seem like they conflict with one another about parenting or these different kind of things Mm. so you're looking for truths and like you said and you said you're you're trying to make it individualized to me and my situation i'm having a hard time today so what what do i do in a hard time and you look something up I don't think that's a helpful way to read the Bible or even to really even see it as a rule book, I think is a, a missing way. When we talk about it as a story, I think that is so helpful because um, I, and I don't remember who said this either, but that you, um, you are more formed by the things you love than the things you believe by the people that you love more than the things you believe. That if you say, what matters most to me, and I would say this is true in my life, uh, aside from Jesus, and maybe, unfortunately, in in more ways than Jesus, I have been formed by my relationship with my wife over 15 years because I love her, and I'm willing to do things and to sacrifice and what she likes and what she, and now I kind of like some of the stuff she likes that I didn't like before and all that. I think everyone has that to some degree, right? Of I'm formed by that. I certainly do. That I'm formed by that love, even if sometimes, unfortunately, it went against my belief. I had a belief, but what she wanted was more important to me than my belief previous to that. So if I can shift it to seeing that the Bible is a story that is leading me to Jesus, the person I'm supposed to love the most, and regularly I'm looking at even things in the Old Testament which seems like they're not like Jesus, if they're not like Jesus, I should say, well, then what's that trying to tell me about Jesus? Because mm-hmm. even stories that you look up and you go, well, that's really violent or that's really disturbing. If you look at it as truths, you go, well, then how should I handle uh, somebody who crossed me the wrong way? Well, here it said, cut their head off. Well, that's <laughs> a truth, so I got to pull that out. Well, not if I'm looking at what Jesus says, yeah. right? And I look at this. So when you talk about that, I think the story is more formative than the things because... <laughs> You have a story you play out. I have a story I play out. 
It may be a family story. My dad always did this. So I'm either doing that or I'm running against that. That's right. And that's the formative story of my life. Well, I'm just a drunk because my daddy's a drunk. Or I'm just, I, I just Or do. I don't have anything to do with anybody or anything that has alcohol because my daddy was a drunk. Right. I can't be around it. I can't talk to anybody that has anything to do with it. I, I don't judge have... people who look that way. <laughs> yes, and yeah. so I get myself into these things. But if I say the Bible is a story that leads me to Jesus... I look at the entirety of the story, and what I mean by the story, I think this is the big one, we've talked about this before, is really the crucifixion of Jesus as the central story, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, that ultimately what Jesus is saying in every moment is because God so loves, and God is love, that he is willing to lay down his life and his rights, and that that's the way to real life and victory. And so when I go to my marriage, instead of going, well, how should I handle marriage? And let me pull this one verse out. Let me it. look for a rule or let me look for yeah. a guideline. What they're supposed to do and what yeah. am I supposed to that's do? Well, and ultimately, what's the limit of what I'm supposed to well, do? Well, that's what, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this says, that's all I'm supposed to do. So I don't know why you're coming and talking to me about that. Or I did that and it didn't work. That's right. right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I take the story of Jesus. I go, what would Jesus, mm-hmm. the God who had all rights and all privileges, who died because he loved me, how would he treat his wife in this situation? Or when I go into a, a situation where I need to forgive someone, well, what would Jesus do? The God who died on the cross and said, new life is found on the other side of death. That's a totally different way of looking at my finances and my personal desires. I had that conversation recently with one of my kids where on, after Christmas, uh, I, mean, I think it was the day of Christmas maybe. No, it may have been the next day. One of, one of my girls got a... Uh, like a Nerf bow and arrow. It had a little bullseye, and they were all about the Nerf bow and arrow. Well, one of my daughters, I don't know why, she was just really mad that day. So she took, this was her favorite, my my youngest daughter, it was her favorite gift. The next up daughter was really mad uh, at the youngest daughter, so she took her thing and broke her favorite gift. And it was the whole thing. Wow. I got four girls. So everybody's crying and everyone's screaming, and it's a thing. So one, my daughter broke it in timeout. So I just came up. I said, what, 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 what should I do in this situation? And she said, well, I don't, I, you know, she goes, it's not that big of a deal. And I said, well, I think one of your toys could get, she get broken because that's the only thing that's fair. <laughs> and so she, she's up there going on and on about, no one's going to break my toy. Ain't nobody breaking. I know which toy she's going to break. She's going to pick. I said, I'm going to let the little one pick which one she wants broken and I'm going <laughs> to break it. And um, she goes, she goes on and on. Oh, she ain't going to break my toy. She ain't going to break my toy. So I take my, my youngest daughter upstairs and I said, now you can pick any toy. What do you want? She goes, I really want to break one, Daddy. And I said, yeah. And I said, now, before you do, what would Jesus do in this situation? <laughs> would Jesus break the toy, or would Jesus forgive your sister and say, you don't owe me a toy anymore? And she goes, I want to do what Jesus would do. <laughs> you know, and so she doesn't break the toy. But, but I my, don't. <laughs> my other daughter in the situation who had been so mad, no one's going to break my toy, and no one's going to do this, immediately starts crying and comes over, gives her a big hug, and it's this whole little moment. And if I had just given her a rule, you have to forgive, you have to say you're sorry, you have to do this, they would probably do it, because that's what kids do. They say they're sorry, but they'd still be mad at each other. They still do this, but well, there's they're, a moment. they're doing it for a reason to either get you off her back or to get past the, the punishment. That's right. right. But now that they get to live out a story yeah. that the reason I do this is this is what Jesus does for me, it brings love back into the situation. So I know those are four and five year olds, so That's it's right. not. But no, if but we would do the same thing. It's a different. Well, story. I was going to say there's a parallel to what you just described in the way that we approach the Bible. I approach the Bible typically, most people saying, "God, tell me what to do. 
Tell me what to do. Show me a rule. Show me a guideline. Show me. And a, if it ain't in there, I guess I get to make. That's it right. Up. And if it ain't there, oh good, I could, I found a, a loophole. There's a loophole. And we go to the Bible looking for hard and fast rules or loopholes, and we when we do that, we miss what the Bible was meant to reveal to us, which is like you just described, a God who loves us, who has shown us what what life ought to be like, and instead of looking for God said, I don't want you to come to me looking for rules. I want you to come to me looking for life. Right. I'll show you how to live it, and then you won't need any rules. That's why I think Jesus, by the end of his ministry, said, look, guys, we got one rule. Mm-hmm. You live by this one rule, love others as I've loved you, you'll be okay. Yeah. Because the the life, the person who's been informed into the mind and the likeness of, of Jesus doesn't need a whole lot of rules. Yeah, I was just listening to an old, there's our Dallas Willard thing, uh, it's probably a 30-year-old sermon by Dallas. And it, and I've heard him, I'd read him saying this before, but to hear him say it in the message, he says, you know, what God is ultimately after, and we don't think about this, God is wanting to create me into the kind of person mm-hmm. that he could let me do whatever I wanted to yes. do. That he could trust me. Not what that I he could trust me and that so that if I said to him, God, I want to do something, God go, oh yeah, that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Because... I would have been so shaped by who God was that I could be trusted. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what every parent wants with their say, kids. That's, that's exactly yes. what I was going to say. I want to have kids that I can trust them to do what they want. Now, you know with a four- and five-year-old, you can't do that. That's right. And many of us, this is the unfortunate part, I know many of us that have 35- and 40-year-old children hmm. that we still can't trust to do whatever they want with our stuff. Probably because we spent their whole lives telling them what to do. That's right. Rather than teaching them how to decide. That's right. Yes. And make decisions. So God has gotten the point. And really, the series we're in, that's what it comes down to. God wants us to be formed by love. He wants us to love Him. And He wants us to love other people. The whole of this mm-hmm. thing. So I always say to people when they say, how should I read the Bible? I always say, how much have you read about Jesus? And if they say, well, I haven't read much about Jesus, I started in Genesis. I go, well, that's <laughs> the wrong place. Mm-hmm. The, the whole thing is a unified story leading to Jesus. We have the advantage of we have the perfect word of God, and it's not the Bible. That's right. It's Jesus. It's him. So you should spend your time focused on Jesus until you know Jesus well enough that when you read something in the other parts of the Bible and you go, wow, that doesn't sound right, you now know why it doesn't sound right because you you have the measurement of Jesus yes. and you have to then look at that passage and go, what is this telling me? How does Jesus reveal what really is going on here? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and I think if, if you asked what's the best way to read the Bible, I would have to come back and with in community is the oh, best no, way to read sure the Bible. Works. Um, I mean, obviously, if that is impossible for you and, and you right now are watching this from some place in Saudi Arabia and there's no other Christians around and all you've got is the Bible, that's fine. But for the majority of people listening to this, you do have the ability because right now you could email help at community-christian.net and say, I want to get in a discipleship group or I want to get in a small group with some people that I could read the Bible with that would and not help me learn some interesting little facts about the history that's around at that time. But to remind me, the purpose of reading this is that I live out this story and that together we figure out what would this do. I had a guy pretty recently in my life 
um, who was pretty new to being a Christian, and somebody had wounded him pretty bad. I mean, I don't want to get too much in, but th- this person had been wounded pretty bad, and I remember talking to him, and he didn't know a ton of the Bible, but he said, I'm reading the story of Jesus forgiving um, somebody, and it just hits me. I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm. And I remember thinking, that didn't take Bible knowledge. That took seeing the story and go, well, if I'm supposed to be like him and that's what he did, it, it really is the moment of, if you see it as, well, what's the rule book? You see things as, well, that's what Jesus did. That's not what I'm supposed to do. I, I get that Jesus did that, but that's not that's not where I'm supposed. And then you take a lot of things. You know, we were talking the other day. I don't know if this was on this one or one of the questions we missed, but someone said, "Do you take the Bible literally or or not?" I don't yeah, remember. I think that was what got that us. That was what got us to this question. question. Okay. I think that was the original question. What I find very funny is the stuff that often is not supposed to be literal. Uh, people do take literally and say, like, even to the point of, and this will probably upset some people, but like. In Revelation, where it's like Jesus is coming with a sword sticking out of his mouth, and they're like, well, that is literally 100%. He's coming You're gonna with a sword. You're going to get a tattoo of a number, and the right. nu- that's going to be a problem. Jesus, <laughs> which is the worst way to fight battle. If there was a superhero that his power was sword stick out of his mouth, there's not a lot of mobility with sword sticking out of your <laughs> mouth to fight anybody, but apparently that's what you know we thought is sword sticking out of your mouth. That's not literally, but then Jesus says forgive just as I forgave. And we go, well. or Jesus says, you know, take up your cross and follow me. And some of us go, well, hold on a second. Jesus is saying, actually be ready to die. That's not what he actually meant. Then Jesus picked up his cross <laughs> and went and died. And all them were like, And all the guys who heard him say that, they died in yeah. the name of Jesus. Yeah, so they're like, hmm. and we, we can think that he didn't mean that. All of them sure seem to I think did. he meant that. That's yes. right. So I would just encourage you, if you look at things in the Bible, say, what did Jesus do? That certainly is a model for how I should live my life. That's a, a great way to read the Bible. Last question, and this is kind of like, it, it actually was two questions that I combined because I think they were kind of about the same thing. This person wants to know, uh, what does the Bible mean when it talks about signs of the times? Evidently, there are mm-hmm. people that say that there are signs in the Bible. We also got a question from somebody, and I'm glad we saved this one until after Christmas because they were <laughs> asking us about uh, back. I guess around Christmas time, there was a star that was... Oh, the Star of Bethlehem. Star of Bethlehem that people were calling it. It was actually Jupiter and Saturn lined up, and it was super bright for that little bit of time, and they were saying... Did y'all go look at it? I did. I could see it from my house. I saw it. I didn't see it when they were combined or, you know, when they were in the I lived too much in the city. I couldn't see it. It was was pretty cool. And um, so the questioner was saying, hey, do you think that that star happening at that time is a sign from God? Mm. And so people want us to talk about what do we make of those kinds of things. Well, the the phrase "signs of the times" is a very specific quote from mm-hmm. Jesus, and but it's not anything about the end of the world. He's actually rebuking people; of, they're asking him to do another miracle after he's just done a miracle, and he goes. <laughs> It's funny to me that you guys can look at the sky and say, it's going to rain tonight or it's going to be dangerous tomorrow, but you can't see from the miracles I've already done that God is doing something. You are missing the sign of this time. Yes. And so I ain't going to give you any more miracles, mm-hmm. except yes. I'm going to be you know, the sign of Jonah. Yes. <laughs> Which was the resurrection. Yeah, so that's what it's in reference to. Uh, I believe. Yeah, yeah that's when is. Jesus said that. That's phrase. when he Jesus said that phrase. And we have now taken that and extrapolated it out to be about some time in the future. 
Well, and I think, too, it's very... Usually what I hear from people, there are two forms of signs of the times. I'm sure there are others because I don't really live in that world. It's not a thing I'm very... I grew up. I grew up in that world. I got you. Well, yeah. the ones the ones I hear often are you talked about Star of Bethlehem. I hear these like uh, astronomical yep. sign, like there's going to be a blood moon or there's going to be a this or you know something up in the stars. So I see those, and then the other ones that I hear mostly are political. Mm-hmm. That this person has come to power, and mostly what I think is funny is no one's ever like. You know, I heard in Namibia the other day, there's another exactly. dictator. They're it's all, never like this tiny African country or South American country that has a dictator that's in charge. It usually is America or a new pope or a new, you know, a new prime minister or something like that in, in Europe. And so it's this very uh, politically small window that it's in. Um, but when you talk about signs of the times, Jesus... What they, what the writers of the Bible and what Jesus see as the cataclysmic event of the universe is Jesus on earth in his life, his death, and his resurrection. That we tend to look around, and I mean, I get it because we have a narrow view of history of right now. Like this pandemic for many of us is the cataclysmic event. What I mean by cataclysmic, it's a it's the catalyst for a lot of big things happening in our world. And we see it as this is the end of the way things have always been, right? Movie theaters will never be the same. Sports will never be the same. And we see it that way. But Jesus saw his life as being his life, death, and resurrection. From that point on, that was the newest anything would be. There was a new life possible through him. And so when he talks about signs of the times, he's talking about himself. He's talking about his life, his death, his resurrection, that something new is happening, that nothing will ever be the same after it. Uh, And so when we look at things like uh, COVID or an election and we go, this is the world-changing event, it is possibly, uh, but not on the level of what Jesus did. Well, and, and, and all oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that, and and you never know, yeah. and I, and that's one of the things. <clears throat> excuse me, I being in the position that you know you and I Ed, have had for over the years, and Nathan, you're getting some of this now. Is being people who stand up and speak. People come to you and ask you questions like this because they want to know. You know, you're an authority figure. Tell me what you think, and and I always get the same kind of questions. I'll say, what do you think about? this prophecy that someone has spouted out this week. Or I had somebody just recently in the past few months say, hey, have you heard all the big prophecies that have just come out? And I go, well, first of all, no. And they go, well, well, do you think they're going to come true? And they told me a couple of things that had been said. And I said, well, I said, here's what I always know about something you think is a prophecy or a sign that something else is about to come. Time will always answer that question. And so I always say, just give it some time. If... If it doesn't happen, though, you need to hold that person or whoever interpreted it that way sure. accountable because they were wrong. And according to Scripture, they are false prophets. Yeah, right. And so I'm not saying they're bad people. I don't know them personally. Or that they had bad motives. Or that they had bad motives. All nature, I can say is they said something. It didn't come to pass because this has happened in, in my career in ministry for decades now, people and, come up and say those things, and that, and I always say, just give it some time. And then when it comes out, we just what we typically do is we just move on to the next thing. Hold them people accountable and well, say, well, they were wrong. Just the people. What I, I recently, and it, it never hit me till recently, 
It's not just the people that need to be held accountable because their names have changed through my lifetime. That's there right. was a guy named Hal Lindsey who yes. was the big guy when yep. I was a young guy. Mm-hmm. We all had to watch scary, terrifying movies that if you were my age, the song, We Wish You'd All Been Ready, with, before DC Talk, the yes. original <laughs> We Wish that. You'd All Been Ready. You don't remember this because that was like 1972. <laughs> yeah. uh, when I was it. just, and we'd all be terrified and... Uh, kind of thing, and then he he was wrong. Then there's another book he wrote. He was wrong. Yeah. And then there are other people who come along. There's a guy on TV for a long time called Jack Van Impe, who would he'd take the newspaper and he mm-hmm. was wrong every week. Yeah. Yeah. He was wrong every week. The what we have to start holding accountable is the methodology. Yes. Because the names of these people change. And people say to me, well, it doesn't do any damage. It does do it does damage, do damage. because right. you put online, you're saying, this is what the Bible sa- says. And just this question we had about how we're going to read it. Well, this is a way not to read it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of looking that it's something in the newspaper. Because here's what I've always said to people. Let's say that they are right and that Jesus is coming again on Friday. What what needs to change about my life between yep. now and Friday? There you go. For me... The answer is nothing. Yes. There is nothing for me. And then they say, well, what about all those people you know who don't know? And I go, well, again, for me, I'm doing everything I can right now Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. them because the truth is it is way more likely that the people I know go to meet Jesus by death than him coming back. Mm -hmm. In my lifetime, the second coming of Christ for most people has happened when they sucked their last breath on this planet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no one prophesied that, mm-hmm. except it's been 100% for everybody I've ever been around. Right. Yep. But we get jacked up about these prophecies, and we're going to scare people somehow into it. And then, of course, when the prophecy fails, well, our fear factor wears off, mm-hmm. and they, they go back. And then if you really did want to talk to them about actually something, you, bl- you, you blew, blew your shot. You blew yes. it. You blew it. Yeah. Well, and I Unless, think- you know, again, it, there's so much there's so much around that. So I just say the signs of the time were a specific thing to answer your question. Yeah. The, the other thing I'd say to you is, hey, the Bible's a unified story that leads to Jesus. Follow Jesus, and whatever the prophecies that people are telling you become about it, it it, one day Jesus is coming back. That is definitely going to happen. I believe that 100%. It will be the end of all things, and the Bible, I mean, the ball game is over. Uh, <laughs> they're calling ball game. Mm-hmm. When Jesus shows up in the sky, uh, I don't care what anybody else tells you, that's the end of the ball game right there. Mm-hmm. And it's time to go to be with the Lord. Live every day as if that's happening. Well, and I think what This you- is your sign. Right? <laughs> Well, live every you, day. I think what you said is is huge of what does it change how you live right now? And I think yeah. that's ultimately it because what I know for, I think even almost everything we've talked about today, prayer ends up being this way, the Bible can be this way, even these signs of the times. There are methods of us trying to control what's going on around us, right? I, I pray to try and get God to control things, or I've got this Bible verse and I'm now going to just prove to you that you got to do this thing, or it'll be these signs of the times. I can somehow control because I know something's coming or this, but the story that Jesus teaches us is this very live with open hands kind of, I don't have to control anything, including other people. I can't control anybody. And so when I live that story out, nothing's going to change it. Even if that prophecy comes true, whatever the prophecy is, even if it comes true, it doesn't change my role in things. I was, I've talked a couple times about this book I'm reading right now. 
um, the patient the ferment, ferment the of the ferment. early church. It <laughs> and uh, it's about the first 500 years of the church. And one of the things they talked about is they really did, the reason they lived with such open hands and even forgiveness for the people that were murdering them, and this was so a little different for me, was they didn't have anger tur- turned towards these people because their prayer was God's going to deal angrily with them at some point, which was so backwards for me because I'm like, that doesn't sound like love at all. But their well, point was, that's my part of the story. My part of the story is the person who forgives and who loves and who serves. And hopes that they won't undercome the wrath right. of God because I know that's coming. I don't have to be wrathful. Right. That's coming. So I should love them and hope they repent so that that doesn't ever happen. Well, and that, and that in Jesus, and this is what I was trying to get to, that was ultimately the judgment of God against sin and death in this world, that God has dealt justly with that. And so when I live openly, and the way he did it was by taking it on himself. He said, I'm going to take it on. And that in this judgment day, it ultimately is going to be, where do I stand with Jesus? And I can live that out in any moment, even when people are against me or I'm fearful. I know right now many people are very fearful of what's going on in our country. And there's going to be some people, they're coming for us. They're coming for us. Well, throughout the history of the world, Christians have had people actually coming for them. And they've been able to live with open hands and loving hearts and with forgiveness and mercy. Because that's the story that we're called to live out, no matter who it is that's against us. Good place to end it today. All right. So next week, we're going to have a whole nother crop of questions that you sent us. So uh, tune in next week, and we'll get to those. Send us more. Send us some more, and and maybe help us stay ahead. Yeah, we'd (laughs) love that. We don't have to make stuff up and get behind and all that kind of (laughs) stuff. So, all right. Thanks, guys. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.